0: Welcome back to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Cake and Kombucha, yeah. Okay, just kidding. For real now. Welcome back to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. I'm your host Kelechi Azier, and Cake and Kombucha is a platform to talk about issues that are relevant in our society today. That would be the kombucha side. And the cake part would be whatever other filler I like to put in here. Um, yeah, I think this week it's going to be, well, T.I. He's he's back at it again. Damn, Daniel, back at it again with the hymen checking. <laughs> that's not how the meme goes, but that's what T.I. was doing. So let's just launch right into it. Uh, what other intros do I need? Uh, none. Okay. Mercury's in retrograde. It finally got cold for the first time. Uh, that's all. Oh, I did almost step on a injured rat on the subway. Everyone laughed at me. I was walking and I always feel like, you know, I judge other people for texting and walking, but When it comes to my own, I always feel like there's some elevated purpose. Like, how dare you think it's funny that I wasn't paying attention to my surroundings? I was sending a very important memoji, most likely. How dare you? So I did see it out the corner of my eye. Like, it's not like I don't see things out of the corner of my eye, but rats are usually moving. So I thought somebody dropped like a furry scarf or something. And then I just happened to look again but you know what I noticed first? I noticed the, the, the silence and the energy focused in my direction, the bated breath as they waited for their daily fucking amusement because apparently their phones were off or something dead. Um, so they people were literally watching, I guess, everyone who walked past to see what they would do. And I noticed their intention, their malfeasance, their malintent, Before I even noticed the poor, injured, um, subterranean nightmare creature. (sighs) That's all I have for New York stories today that I care to share. Mm, Yeah. Last night I may or may not have been sort of like in a music video accidentally that was um, being filmed. I walked into this club and it really looked like everybody was a rapper rapper circa like two thousand one. I I was like, where am I? It's extremely lit, but it's also a time machine. Lesouk. Lesouk, if anyone's interested. I'm still interested in going back to have brunch there. But uh, shout outs for this week. Wanted to give a little holler back y'all to my dear sister friend, Ebony Blake, and her hubby James hi guys from New York she's in San Francisco killing it in uh the new Harry Potter musical that's being mounted there the Broadway show they're gonna have a San Francisco company and she is at the helm of that and in rehearsal and she's flying and I'm very proud of her so we're just gonna do our shout out for the week boop, 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 boop. that was me that was applauso. I'm not actually, no, I'm not going to do that boop boop zone. I'm going to say si, sí, aplauso. Because that's what happened when I landed in the Dominican Republic. Uh, when we landed safely, the captain said si, sí, aplauso. And I thought that was amazing. Like, yes, applaud me for my work. Absolutely. Oh, I probably should talk about Boeing this week, too. Okay, there. I forced myself to give you some anecdotes because I really want to jump in to the mess. There's a lot going on. All right, so T.I. is not, how can I do this expeditiously? Um, For those of you who don't know, that's his favorite word. Um, He looked up a few, and it makes him feel like he's a big man on campus. He's really, really, really out of bounds. But let me start, this is a good opportunity to go over some other stuff that I didn't even really properly address Although I feel like I have been covering him for like three weeks in a row because it's like when people just get started, they just, once you pop, you can't stop making an ass of yourself. So, um, T.I. had come out a couple weeks ago, I think two shows ago, and I covered this two shows ago. That was so redundant. I'm not even, I'm not taking it out though. <laughs> I was two shows ago. I had covered it two show, shows ago. He had been complaining about Azalea Banks' I mean Iggy Azalea. Mortal enemies, those two. Iggy Azalea. And saying that, can you please, like, how can I atone for the sin? You no know, you know what? I'm making it. I am saying that with more culpability and responsibility than he did. He didn't say, How can I atone for the sin of Iggy Azalea? He said something like, I need one of y'all to be a female rapper for me to like help me make up for the mistake. And it's like it's still, you're projecting it onto someone else. Like you don't need, he's, I still didn't like the way he said that. So he was saying that Iggy Azalea, you know, discovering her, caping for her, producing her, propping her up was one of the biggest mistakes of his career. But he even still tried to say it in a way that to me kind of suggested that like there just weren't that many female rappers around. And if there were, like he wouldn't have had to do that. Because he framed it by saying, like, I need a new female rapper, y'all. And it's like, you just need to not be an idiot. And all everything else good in life would flow from there. But, excuse me, I'm making my own matcha lattes at home, guys. That's what you call bougie on a budget. Anyway, um, he then came back and elaborated on that some more and said that Iggy Azalea changed once she found out that white people liked her, she changed. No, she did not change. She was always a white woman from the Bush in Australia speaking in a fake black accent. If that was not immediately, evidently, problematic to you from jump, you have no right to go say that she changed once she started realizing white people liked her, I think she knows that she is white. She's born white. Like, I, I, I don't think that's something she didn't know. So shut up. Like, how dare you? How dare you decided to prop up this chameleon, blackface, you know, Michigan J-frog nonsense. And then... You decide to try to make it like, oh, you know, she just switched up on me. Like, you know, I, th- I thought she was down. And then, no, she, no, you had no reason to think that. You, like many other black men, are just willing to put up with a certain amount of nonsense from beautiful or perceived to be beautiful or even marginally attractive white women, be it romantically, be it... Whether you want to make some money off of them, whether you're packaging something to sell back to pop culture because you know that's what will sell, you're willing to take a certain amount of abuse and ridiculousness and a certain amount of just disrespect to yourself in general because that's what cultivating a white rapper from the other side of the world that speaks with a fake, you know, melange of a southern black scent is and you just you were okay with it until it didn't serve you anymore. And now you're going to say that she switched up. She, you should have known what type of person she was based on what she was doing. Like she obviously always had the capacity to be extremely problematic as evidenced by the fact that she is extremely problematic. Like her shtick is extremely problematic. So I thought it was so dumb for you to say, you know, well then she did, she switched up on me. Like I don't associate with white people that would, Do stuff like that. So I don't hang out with anyone that would surprise me and be like, hey, nigger, like I just I hope not. I mean, I do my best, but I certainly am not giving I'm not putting my name behind people that are not vetted in that way. And you knew what you had. You had a white girl who's pretty with a big booty and you knew that that would sell more than any of the, you know, rappers who are actually living the things that they are rapping about who have putting in, been putting in blood, sweat, blood, blood, sweat, and tears to achieve their goals, you picked her over them, okay, and like, to me, it's like, throw it into a magic cauldron, and this is the reason why Lil' Kim looks the way she does today, because this is the shit that she went through, okay, this is the nonsense that she had to fight up against, so you're already, that was just trash, 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 and then just when I think it didn't get any more trash, um, T.I., unsolicited like I was going to confess that I never really understood those nobody memes. you know when it says nobody colon absolutely nobody colon I guess I should understand it but for some reason I just feel like it wasn't always written in a way that I got it like yes it's written actually in play structure like the character's name then colon but I guess because we just don't write a care. I don't know All I was going to say was if I were to ever finally learn how to use that like nobody thing correctly, it would be nobody colon, absolutely nobody colon, literally nobody on the whole earth colon, T.I. colon, I check my daughter's hymen every year. Was that hit me back and let me know if that was correct usage. I think it was, which is to say that nobody asked you to talk about this, but he did. So this isn't an interview on the podcast, Ladies Like Us. Um. T.I. mentioned that he has yearly trips to the gynecologist to check his daughter's hymen. He said that he was like, yeah, um," let me find the exact quote. Um, He said that he goes like after her birthday, they they make a doctor's appointment to go to the gynecologist. Um, He says that he because she is 18 now. The doctor is like, I'm not allowed to talk to any about, of it, about any of this to you. And he asked his daughter, there's nothing you doing that you wouldn't want me to know about. Right. And so basically he coerces and shames her into sharing her private information. He told her that he, he said the doctor has also tried to exclaim to him, like, I think it's great when people relay stories of how someone else tried to swing them back on track from being a complete dummy. But the doctor told him, you know, hymens can be broken by swimming (laughs) I made that up because I like swimming that's not what he said I meant riding bikes horseback riding things like that sports and apparently TI's answer was she don't play no sports doc we good I mean what do you do like bind her feet and just make her sit in a chair and weave all day like Rumpelstiltskin is Rumpelstiltskin the, the the like the dwarf who was weaving who was weaving I don't know. Anyway, I want to find more of the exact quote because it was ridiculous. Hold on. Um, okay, so this uh, interview took place on the Ladies Like Us podcast, which is hosted by uh, Miguel's beautiful wife. Um, she is stunning, but Miguel, like, pick me instead if you're listening. Just, it's always oh, it's never too late for Cal-tree. Um Apparently, people, the interview has now been taken down because. When T.I. made his comments, they just laughed. And people took that as supporting what he was saying. I... Look, as as outspoken as I can be, when you're... I'm here, sitting here talking to myself, so I will give credit because if someone comes on your show and says some wild shit, you don't know what to say. Like, you, you're not always in the moment going to be like, you're a fucking creep, <laughs> child molester, borderline, like, you know? So I didn't hear it, but I can... I can see where they might have been shocked, and that doesn't necessarily mean it was an endorsement. And they gave a really... You know, you guys know I'm all about real apologies. I'm all about accountability. So if you really say, look, I'm really sorry, I reacted poorly, I was shocked, and that doesn't mean that I approve this message or anything like that, then I'm willing to, you know, I can accept things like that. So anyway... The, yeah, he said, the question that prompted this was they asked him, have you had the sex talk with your daughter? Which is also weird because she's 18. So it, part of me is kind of curious to hear how did this all get started? And were they being provocative because they know this man is a freaking man whore of the first degree. He has been driving his wife crazy since dinosaurs roamed the earth. This is not news. This is not a secret. But anyway, yeah, he said he not only do I have the sex talk with her, I go to check and make sure she's a virgin, which is a very interesting leap to make because that's not the point of the sex talk is to not to make sure you don't have sex. It's to make sure you know what it is and you can decide when to do it safely. So just the fact that he went there is hilarious to me. But it just provides a perfect opportunity to talk about double standards, dumb men A lot of this, this conversation sent me in so many directions. So first of all, like I said, he's a notorious cheater. And you just have to wonder how do your ideas of sex and what it means and whether it's right or wrong, how does that relate to the things that you choose to do, that you choose to perpetrate, and that you choose to drag your wife through, and how you navigate through the world? Like, did your wife, was she not a virgin when you met her? Is that why you dog her out and she don't you know make out with women a whole hands with women in front of her. Is that why? like what is the connection between virginity and worth that that you have and have you and how can someone who is so promiscuous hold those views and articulate them? I know the answer. the answer is double standards because you're a man but I just feel like people are allowed to believe stuff like this and say it and still say that they think men and women are equal, although I believe that he said some other stuff that indicates he just doesn't. And then he's still, like, you, there's a lot of people that you can never get them to say out loud, oh, it's okay, because I do it, because I'm a man. But they just, everything that they believe in a spouse leads only to that conclusion. But they, you can't just get them to concretely think about their views cohesively and realize, oh, the only reason that I'm saying that this is okay. The only difference between this person and this person is their gender, and that's why I'm saying that this is okay and this is not okay. Um, people have pointed out. So his daughter is it? Someone said, "How come his vixen-ass daughter? He's worried about her, and he's, and like as a, she looks like the one who would be getting any kind of attention sexually because she's puts a lot of provocative pictures online and she's attractive and has big boobs that so she likes to take scantily clad photos of." Whereas his son, who's 15, which to me is like not really an age that's a great age to be having sex at. Whereas 18, you could have left the house, you're an adult. He looks like a troll, like an actual gemstone in the tummy troll. And he's sexually active at 15, which is riskier because you don't make as good decisions. Your impulse control is not as good. Getting a 15-year-old to have the, the concentration and the focus to you know, slow down and put on some birth control is just, they're more impulsive. And so that is who I would be worried about having little troll babies all across Atlanta that you would then have to support. But instead you're fine with that. And you've talked about that, but you're not okay with your daughter who's three years older and old enough to be living outside of the house, having sex. Not to mention that the fact that you're okay with it doesn't really matter because you don't own her body. It's gross. It's just, it's just so sad because wait, do you get pap smears at 18? I don't even know, but I guess I, when I first heard him say, I go to the gynecologist with her, I, my happy, hopeful ass was waiting for him to say something positive, like, I'm there with her when, you know, whatever painful procedures, and instead it just totally devolved. So the backlash has been swift and immediate. A lot of important information has come out about the hymen and you know, the World Health Organization's called virginity testing, which is, it's a widely denounced thing. They called it a violation of the human rights of girls and women. It's detrimental to their physical, psychological, and social well-being. And um, people have also been releasing a lot of information about what exactly the hymen is, how it's this membrane that can even have space in, like, it doesn't have, to, it's not like it covers your whole vagina, like, you know, saran wrap over some leftovers, so things can fit through it. You could still have sex with it. You could, and then it's also easily broken by doing a lot of different activities. It just doesn't, it's like not only is the the ideology you're holding onto outdated, the way that you are trying to prove the ideology is scientifically like obsolete as well. So it's just a combination of back-to-back fuckery. Like it's not a real way of proving this thing. And the thing you're trying to prove is a concept that has no business really being this focus of yours, especially when it comes to your daughter. Um, Who was it from another country? Someone has asked asked me before, like, and obviously I don't, you know, I'm not from evangelical, you know, South or whatever, but they did ask, what is this weird relationship that, sexually, that daughters have with their fathers in America? Because they heard about virginity promises, rings and stuff, and... In like some evangelical circles, people are make have these promise rings with their dad. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Um, so, yeah, that conversation made me think of all these things, these double standards. Why someone wrote online perfectly. They encapsulated this perfectly. They're, they Oh, where was she? I wish I could credit the correct person. But they said in so many words, like, OK, so T.I. doesn't want his daughter having sex. Like ever. He's okay with his 15 year old daughter, his 15 year old son having sex, but he doesn't want his daughter having sex, but he encourages his 15 year old son to have sex. So, who are the girls that your 15 year old son is having sex with? And that is always the question, right? That is this um, putting women into two categories, good and bad, based on their sexual behavior, putting yourself in no category, good or bad, based on your sexual behavior. And really make it make sense because who are the people you're having sex with? Or maybe it does make sense and that's you're telling us you don't respect anyone that you have sex with and then it makes sense why your mama tells you to wait to have sex with someone. Like, there are some things societally where people really can't figure out how to do it with you and still treat you like a human being afterwards. And I, I mean, that, that, that can be a thing too. That is something to think about too. Because a lot, it happens a lot. You, when a relationship becomes intimate guys will start like lying to you. You don't, you, don't, you don't even have to like them. You're like, but I don't even want you like that. You're just making up shit. Where, where were you? I was, I was at the post office. Like, bitch, I was just trying to figure out if, if you're coming over or if I should order, you know, if I should order Little Caesars or, or go out with this other evening plan I had. You're over here lying. Like I'm trying to creep up on my husband or something. Like it's, it's almost like something weird happens where certain men cannot engage with you emotionally, maturely, they just can't take you seriously anymore as a human being. Like you could have been, like, friends with them before. I, I mean, I hear this happens a lot with the friends with benefits situation. Um, but, yeah, it's very interesting. The priority, the sanctity that people place on sex. But, again, like, again, divorce from a religious context because you think it's fine for your son to do it, you think it's fine for you to do it. So I'm really interested in how if you, you can just even strip away like the, any Judeo-Christian elements, and you are still holding on to things that apply to someone else, but don't apply to you, but are important enough for you to go with your daughter to the gyno, and any, like, which is just on its face creepy. Like the fact that you felt comfortable repeating that to the world is also really disturbing and shows how much you're okay humiliating and embarrassing your daughter, and you really see her as just an object that you own and not as an individual person who's going to have reactions to that. Um, his daughter, Deja, has been on the internet liking comments where people are like, just know that your dad is a disgusting abuser and it's not okay. And she wrote back, like, I love you guys. Like, thanks for looking out for me. So, I mean, to me, the writing's is on the wall that she wants out of this twisted situation too. But I have, I, I this situation reminded me of a phenomenon that, it might be a stretch, but. It kind of reminded me of just the general concept that women, we don't get to define sex as what we want it to be for ourselves. So for me, I can be somewhat of a like prudish, like a slutty prude. Like I, sex is often just not on the menu if I'm not in a relationship with you. Why? Because I'm a germaphobe, because I don't want to get pregnant. I don't have time. This is not the right time. So I don't like to think about those things. I'm a warrior. I just don't want... I'm like, safe sex is super important to me. And unfortunately, a lot of men are not up to the task of being responsible with safe sex. It's annoying to know that you're the only person in the room... You're the only adult in the room. You're the only one... Like, raise your hand if how many times has a man tr- you know tried to pressure you to have sex without a condom and you know that if generally nine times out of ten, if you weren't the one that was saying that it was important they would not do it. So all that is to say that I can remember sometimes where I was dating someone and I just wasn't ready to sleep with them yet. And maybe we were intimate or like fooling around in some other way. And then they're like, oh, we should we should just, we might as well just have sex. We already did this. And it's like that moment I realized that, oh, you think I'm saving myself because I have some weird shame about sex and I give a fuck what you think of me. No, no, I don't. And If you would think less of me because I have sex with you, that's crazy. Get out of my house. I don't want to have sex because I don't want to. I don't. I don't. My am, am I like purity? Uh, is not something that, you know, I'm protecting. That you know, the act of sex is just this like sanctity and this this precious thing that you know, like like as I'm like I'm grown and like I'm losing my virginity every time. No, and the and you've just shown me how you view it and you don't even see the practical reasons that a woman would just decide and it could be practical it could be preference it could because a lot of men women don't orgasm from vaginal sex a lot of the times a lot of men are not sufficiently interested in making sure that a climax happens for women in some way and and if you know that it doesn't happen you know penetratively then that can be less interesting for many women too it just can be less appealing so all those factors can go into it but all a man is taking away from it is that Oh, well, if she let me, you know, she let me touch a titty. So we might as well have sex anyway. Cause you know, she's, she's, she no longer, she, you know, she's, she's a hoe now. Like it's, it's kind of weird. So you do get to see the difference between, you know, what sex means to men, what it means when we have sex with them to them and, and what it means to us. And I just think it's very sad. I hate to be like a, in 2019 in 2019, cause For all intents and purposes, 2019 is, like, worse than 1999. (laughs) Like, there's so many things that are going far backwards. But I will say for virginity pledges, I am disappointed that this is happening in America in 2019. But, again, you have to consider the source. So I hope that she moves out and starts being allowed to go to doctor's appointments on her own very soon. Deja, say strong. Your dad's an asshat in a lot of different degrees. I know it must be embarrassing, and my heart goes out to you. Good luck, girlfriend. Okay, to do a quick pivot from gynecological issues to food. So the Popeye sandwich is back, y'all. It's back. Whenever Black people are enthusiastic about anything that's not a civil rights march or, you know, crying, there are certain elements in the Black community that will start writing think pieces about how we suck and this is the reason nobody likes us and this is why we were slaves retroactively. Because we like chicken sandwiches now is why we were stolen from our ancestral homelands 400 years ago. Obviously, this is a flaw and you should leave people alone and let them enjoy simple pleasures in life that cost $4.99. But there just is some, I don't know, some compulsion. Certain people have to judge and denigrate and try to elevate themselves from the masses in some way. So that said, is there drama regarding the chicken sandwiches? Sure. Sure. But that drama mostly has to do with people being together and waiting for things in a consumer-driven society and, you know, the tension that happens when people wait in line for anything, the pushing. I mean, the subway is paid for by the time you get on and people still push and act a mess. Like, people act a mess when they're in confined spaces waiting for things. This is human nature. Um, It's also human nature for Americans to be racist, so that combination has created some really interesting events these past week. So first, let me start out by saying that I did get to have the chicken sandwich last week. Uh, There's a Popeye's in downtown Brooklyn, and I just thought, oh, wait, let me see if they actually have them. Is this a thing? By no means was I going to wait like any exorbitant amount of time for it, and I got the sandwich. I I took an Uber pool home from therapy, and so... I didn't want to eat in the car with other people. So at the time I ate my sandwich, it was kind of like lukewarm. And I will say that it's a good piece of chicken. You know, I love it. I love a fried chicken breast. Like if you can get the juices and the flavor inside all of the white meat, that would definitely be my favorite. I've had like a fried chicken thigh, like Nashville hot sandwich from this restaurant recently. I didn't even eat it. I couldn't finish it. It was just too... Greasy. It's like a hat on a hat. Grease on grease on grease. Grease on grease on grease. And I like that. So that's not the issue. It's just the the way the fat is combined and the presentation of the fat matters. So the sandwich, it's well balanced. It has a pickle. It could have had more sauce on the bottom of mine. Mine was a little dry and I blame that on probably the person that put it together. Um, And do I... do I understand the Raspita's postings online? No, but I, I know someone else that had it kind of lukewarm. And they said like the next time they had it and it was fresh out the from the restaurant, it was a lot better. I can see how compared to a Chick-fil-A, it would be more like soulful and, and southerly. I mean, sorry. Yeah. Is that what I meant? Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Compared to Chick-fil-A, which has more dill in the seasonings and things that we associate with like. White potato salad. Now I love dill. Don't get it twisted, but it's like a Scandinavian ingredient. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's a good sandwich. Me, if I'm going all the way, if I'm going to someplace with biscuits, I'm always going to want a biscuit over a like rioche bun. I just am. So I don't think it's like my thing, but I can see that it's an excellent product for 4 dollars especially compared to other sandwiches of that nature. Now, that's, that's all I can say about it. I've never been a huge sandwich person. I'm, I'm a hamburger girl. And then beyond beyond that, I don't really want anything between two slices of bread, except for maybe like peanut butter every once in a while. And I don't even like my peanut butter with jelly. So take, take whatever you, you know, take that all with a grain of salt. So mayhem has been happening in the lines. Like I said, I think these things are human nature driven. Like, Waiting in line for things, feeling left out, FOMO, like wanting to know what everybody else has, like, the, you know, it's, it makes people act a little bit wild and people just don't like being in confined spaces. So like I said, racism being an American tradition, we're seeing that too. So for some reason, there's been two incidents like this in the past, like five days alone, where white people have walked into an all black establishment. I believe the first one was in Tennessee, it was either Tennessee or Louisiana, I can't really find it, but I watched a video of it. So it definitely happened. Uh, so I don't know what uh, hood news source I was looking at, but perhaps it was just Twitter. I think it might've been Twitter, the official hood news source, but definitely happened. So this white man, and maybe he was mentally ill or whatever, but he was probably racist first. He's leaving Popeye's and he just starts screaming at this. And everyone else in there is black. You fucking niggers. You fucking stupid niggers. Da-da-da-da. Again. I don't know why people are making these decisions. So he gets outside and the uh, one of the patrons from inside runs outside, put, molly whops him, just starts molly whopping him, just making it rain, pop, 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 and says, apologize. You came to my neighborhood. You came to my neighborhood. Say sorry. Say sorry. He's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, you go and learn Today, you gon' learn today. You gonna learn today. However, you want to put it, that's what happened. I feel like he learned and everyone came out on top. He came out on the bottom of the sidewalk. But you know, spiritually, I felt on top of that. It was fine. Like that's what should happen. I don't understand the comfort some people are getting with using this word and you know, whatever distinctions distinctions they try to make with the hardy are ER, the hard whatever the fuck. Like, you meant it as an insult, and you came to an all-black establishment, and so they waited till it was no longer the responsibility of the hardworking Popeye's employees and just stepped outside a few feet and let him have it. Now, the second incident was a little bit harder to watch. I can't say that I feel sorry. I think that would be a lie. Uh, I don't, but it was it really just made me think a lot about osteoporosis and how people should drink milk. Um, So in the second incident, this older white lady is at the counter and she is arguing some sort of charge dispute on her bill. Again, this is Popeyes, you guys. Popeyes. How much more could you actually have been overcharged? And then I see this gay man getting in her face dreads flying, his cute little like blonde dread ponytail flying. So I know she probably said some stuff and she did. She called him. She called someone the N-word. So he was going off on her. Now, this is where it gets exciting. He walked outside the restaurant and body slammed this woman to the ground WWE style. Um, It looked like something that doesn't happen every day. Like I've never been you know, lifted up in the air, like higher than I was standing, higher than I could fall of my own accord and then thrown from that level. I didn't think the injuries she sustained, like I was surprised by the injuries she sustained, which is why I said it makes me think about, um, you know, drinking milk. But apparently she fractured a bunch of bones, ribs. That was unfortunate. It really was. Um. And she's 55, which again, I don't associate 55 as old enough to just have like your bones collapse if you fall. So again, like I think this is someone who had uh, pre prior health problems and, you know, wasn't expecting to get body slammed. But I do feel like you should expect to possibly get body slammed if you go into all black establishment and call someone a nigger. The comfort level with this has got to stop. You know, I don't want to blame the victim, but she's not a victim and be smart. So her lawyer even said you know, okay, she may have said something that she regrets, but that's no excuse to body slam a fifty-five-year-old grandma. Look, you're you have teen pregnancies in your family, okay? If your fifty-five year old grandma, I don't you don't necessarily have to have grandchildren. That's a young grandma, so we're not gonna add that on to make it sound more pitiful. You're fifty-five, you are not in good health, and then you went and started a fight you couldn't finish. And do I think words Equal physical retaliation? Yes, sometimes. Yep. So I don't think... I do think that calling someone that a nigger is starting something that could be physical. I don't think it's like, you call me a name, so I, I call your name back. There's no name that we can call you that that is equivalent to that. So yeah, sorry about it. I hope she lives I because I don't want this man to get in trouble for murder. Um, And I just think it's funny that... The lawyer can already say, well, did she say something she regrets? Why do you regret it? You regret it because it's you got body slammed or you do regret it because are we doing the whole like, that's not me. I'm not racist. I never say those things except when I'm mad and someone charges me two cents more in my biscuit so that you can watch on video. It's disturbing. But again, it doesn't look like when you watch it, it doesn't look like someone would sustain all those injuries. It just looks like, wow, that's kind of crazy. That's a crazy thing that happened. Um, yeah, so everyone go to Popeye's, be safe, don't call anyone nigger, and enjoy your sandwich. A really interesting story came out, uh, more in the vein of people leaving mics on, leaving phones on. Um, yeah, this keeps happening. So ABC News is now like on the defensive because it's cute little anchor Amy Robach with a nice bob. And good makeup, I have to say. She's never looks too powdery. She she does a good job. This uh this video surfaced of her making off-the-cuff comments about how she had the Jeffrey Epstein story three years ago and ABC did not let her release it. She said that she was complaining that the network quashed her interview um and and revealed that they had yielded to threats from powerful news sources. She said you know, we had everything. We had Prince Andrew on the island with them. We had Bill Clinton on Jeffrey Epstein's Island. We had this. We had that. She said they wouldn't let us talk about uh, they wouldn't let us talk about it because they were terrified they wouldn't be able to interview Will and Kate. So you heard it from the horse's mouth that the networks yielded to pressure from Buckingham Palace because, They did not want this Prince Andrew stuff to come out. And they basically said, you know, if you want more interviews with useless, meaningless figureheads, monarchs that Americans obsess over, you can't release this story about the biggest, largest child predator of all time, possibly. Um, This is after this, this story that when she was talking, this came just after an NPR story opened up talking about the, I can't pronounce this. Women's late name, apologies. Giffre, Giffre, G i u f f r e. That's the really brave woman who has come forward about her the abuse she sustained over, under Jeffrey Epstein. So an NPR MP- story came out about the existence of the interview years ago and how ABC did not broadcast it. And so Roback, she was sitting on a chair at set for Good Morning America, and she was speaking to a colleague, and it was it was caught a microphone, and she let it all out um, the quote. She said, I've had this story for three years. We would not put it on the air. First of all, they said, who is Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows it. This is a stupid story. And then she said, she, she, this is her quote. Then the palace found out we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us in a million different ways. Um, so she said that they had information on uh, Harvard University law professor Emeritus Alan Dershowitz, Epstein's former girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell, and that's a very interesting story you should listen to on the daily. They cover that because we often don't talk about the ways that women can be complicit in sexual abuse, and it, she absolutely groomed and found women for Jeffrey Epstein. I don't remember if she was present in the room for the abuse or not, but it's just really disturbing and something that we need to explore These and just be aware of that just because someone's a woman does not mean you're safe. And that's also what happened with Weinstein, right? Like these actresses would think, oh, this secretary is not going to like leave me alone with this guy or this assistant has just give me tea, made me comfortable. She's not going to like lock me in a room with a rapist. She's right outside. But that's exactly what they did. They, The women would be like sent home and they they knew what was doing. They knew what they were doing. And they were like feeding, you know, little chickadees to an alligator. It was disgusting. Um so yeah, uh, Homegirl said, I tried for three years to get it out, no avail. She's, now these new revelations come out and people are like, oh my God, really? I had it all. I'm pissed. I'm so pissed. She, she said, what we had was unreal. And so Project Veritas leaked this. So they leaked it to the internet and that's how this is out. So it wasn't, it was unlike the the butt dials I covered last week. It wasn't like it just, you know, was available to the public immediately. A covert operator from Project Veritas released this. And again, ABC says, you know, now they have to comment on it and backpedal and say, well, we did have this, but it just wasn't up to our journalistic standards, which is what does your name mean anymore? What does your word mean when you have someone who works for you saying that this happened that they had you had all this information and then you just come out and say it wasn't up to journalistic standard, but we know that you were threatened by Buckingham Palace and stuff. So what do these statements mean? You know, I just think it's an interesting time for politics, big media conglomerates, how they're intertwined with each other and a curtain is sort of being pulled back with the internet and with these, you know, Mr. Robot type. Factions that can go and give this information to us. And we're seeing that people lie all the time, and conspiracies are not conspiracies, they're just real, you know? A lot of them are real. So I I am interested in more stuff like this beginning to come to the forefront. Fortunately, Amy Robach is in a really good position that this came out because she they can't fire her, and that would look terrible. So I hope that she's protected. I'm surprised she was allowed to say it anyway. To be honest, I don't know who she was talking to. I think it's it's all very interesting, but I just think it's an interesting time to find out that everybody's trash. Everyone covers up for everybody, and to be very suspicious about what we hear and when we hear it. Um, you know, these are not the only people going against their network. We have um, Ronan Farrow going against his network, talking about how they suppressed his Weinstein interview and the new book he has out. So it's very very interesting that people are brave enough to be so transparent about these things now that the corporations are maintaining the party line about these things and that you they have and people have the protection of like the Internet and Twitter and and again, like hackers bringing us the truth. So just something to watch more of. Oh, she also said that Jeffrey Epstein definitely, definitely was uh, killed and that he had lots of men that he bribed, lots of powerful men and, and, and his disgusting Sex Island, um, who partook in, in sex with with trapped underage girls, and so he absolutely had tea on lots of people, and he was absolutely murdered. Which I think we kind of—I mean, that's very obvious. That's that was clear. So let's just all let's just all be very real, and let's all recognize what we're dealing with here. And and next time you hear America throwing shade on other countries, I'm like, we don't do that. We're American. We need, We do everything. We do it all. We do it live. So you may have heard by now about the tragedy in La Mora, Mexico, um, and also learned something new. I did not know that there were enclaves of Mormon communities in these hills in La Mora, Mexico, right by the border to the US. Um, There's a dirt path that leads to the US border, which makes it a really popular area for drug cartels, prime real estate. And there were communities of Mormons that had been there for a few generations, that lived on these hills with their doors unlocked as they said had a school for spanish a school for english with their for their kids would drive down the hills in their minivans when they needed something and uh, this is residents from the area who have interviewed said the drug cartels protected us Uh, they they protect us more than the government did they apologized to us when they stopped us and said oh sorry you know we're just guarding our territory that's how it is and they would ask what contraband the families had, if any, and they'd say, oh, just honey and potatoes. So last week, one of the cartels killed nine members of the Mormon community at point blank range, including babies, which is horrifying, and um, some of the moms. This is a terrible tragedy because innocent children were killed, and it's a disgusting thing. It's a horrible thing. and I. I have maybe haven't spoken as much about this on the show, but I believe the drugs should be legalized. That would put cartels out of business when something's illegal. When something is legal, you no longer have trade wars about it. I mean, you have, you know, political intrigue and bullshit like goes on in our government, et cetera, et cetera, and rich people lying to each other and lying to us. But you don't have gang turf wars. And it's horrible. It's sad. And where the, a lot of the drug's going to, to the U.S., where did a lot of the guns come from? The U.S.? I mean, we're complicit in so many ways. However, the part that was really disturbing to me is the coverage of the incident. The New York Times published an article that said, is Mexican violence finally getting worse or something like that? And I was like, um, isn't this whole build-a-wall thing because Mexicans and South Americans are and Central Americans are coming here as refugees to escape mostly gang violence. Uh, And now because white people have killed, we're not sure if, if it's like a problem and a bad thing. I was very, very confused. It just is a weird thing being a person of color and just reading things. It's just weird to wake up and read things. Like I did not know that the deaths of all the brown people that had already been happening in thousands and in droves The young teenage girls that get kidnapped and made like gang wives, which basically child brides that are raped and passed around the gangs, mothers that are shot if they try to look for their children, fathers that are killed in front of families, keeping communities in absolute terror as a way to be in control as a way. to I mean, you know, there was a shootout with the cops recently and the gangs won. I think that was last week. I did not know that I was not supposed to care about any of these things until it happened to white people. I did not know that white people were my barometer of whether a problem is bad, whether I should feel empathy, whether it's time for America to intervene somehow. I did not know that. It's news to me. It takes me opening up a newspaper, a couple of newspapers, the Washington Post included, and reading these sentiments and realizing how different it is to be a person of color, black, brown, etc., cetera, than it is to be part of the white mainstream. Because I did not know that we did not think the violence in Mexico was already a huge problem. I didn't. I thought it was just obvious that's why people were uh, coming here as refugees, and then we were denying them and saying it's not bad enough. But now that white people have died, it's an issue. It's just so bizarre. It's so very bizarre. And I, I just get so like stressed out and confused to read things like this written unironically. You think that that it is a smart way to frame this issue, to write, is the violence bad now? Uh, this is from the New York Times, which is supposed to be you know one of the most reputable news sources in the country. So I was very disappointed to see how this is covered. And the more I read, the more awkward it is, because I'm reading about the Mormon communities members even saying, like the lady was saying, the cartels protected us. You know, we always thought that us being American was going to keep us safe. Um, Why? If you are living in some place that's like having a war and all the different other people are getting killed and you're a Christian, you need to be engaged in some sort of activism to try to better the, the your surroundings for your fellow countrymen or you need to leave. I don't find it Christian to be there and keep your head in the sand and be friendly with drug cartel members who are murdering regular innocent Mexican citizens upon the thousands, but don't bother you because you're American and you're white. And you think that's okay because the most important thing but that but that's why I don't even have respect for some of these more cult like religions because the more you the most important thing is for them to keep to themselves and mind their business and inculcate more children that they you know give birth to by perhaps polygamy. I think there was some polygamy or maybe there wasn't it that part doesn't really matter to me I've also seen that in the comments that people are like well they're they're polygamous and gross and they should just be there I'm like oh my god it's not about people's sexual practices either Although there is a very, very, very real concern with underage um, marriage whenever polygamy is, a, is happening in a community. But it's not about that either. It's just about what about the brown people, y'all? And I haven't even I saw I saw one comment under the Washington Post that said that one person saying what I was thinking. But everyone else is like, well, they can stay because they're not real Americans. And da-da-da. nobody should be dying from drug cartels. Nobody. And we should care about all of them. That's the point. Okay, that's all I have to say about that. But if you're interested in reading more about these communities, um, doesn't also uh, Mitt Romney have a house in Mexico, I think? I think it is like, it's a Mormon thing because so many of them are located out in the Southwest. And a lot of these people had, they they migrate down there from Nebraska, apparently. So it's interesting. It was interesting to learn about a community and phenomenon I didn't know about at all, but very disturbing to see how people are now riled up about the violence in Mexico because white people die. And that's it. I mean, we need to open up the border if we really think that it's an issue and rescue more people and stop trying to take away their refugee status. That's the appropriate response that I see, you know? I have it in my notes, but I don't think I mentioned that the next Democratic debate on November 20th is going to be held at Tyler Perry Studios. I think that's kind of... Really awesome, actually. And I saw the same black people that hate chicken sandwiches saying, look at Tyler Perry trying to ingratiate himself with the man. Like, that was the whole point of this. I'm so sick of this bullshit. Guys, we have a two-party system in America. You have to pick one. You just need to vote. Like, we do need to vote. And the black vote does matter. And black mobilization does matter. And I don't understand when people try to villainize voting because they don't like the government. It is the it's the one we have right now. So unless you're like Alex Mack and you're gonna turn into a pool of silver glue and glide into the White House and I don't know, <clears throat> turn off the lights, cause some sort of mayhem, act up. I don't know. Just we gotta vote. But that's what we gotta do. So stop the stop the madness. He's not a coon because he's letting the democratic debates happen at Tyler Perry studios. There is nothing wrong with candidates pandering to black people. We just need to make sure they actually pander their asses to the finish line and really make good on the promises that they are pandering. It's the only bargaining chip we have that we vote in such reliable, you know, such reliable numbers as a block for the Democrats and that they know that they need us to win especially any like Southern states. So we it, it's a good thing. Everybody needs to come to Tyler Perry Studios and tell me what you're going to do for me and tell me about reparations and and be frightened and act, and act right. Get your act together. That's a good thing. So congratulations to Tyler Perry for creating this giant enterprise that is putting more wealth into a black community, that's putting it on the map even more. And that people are going to take seriously. Like even whatever you have to say about his movies, there are all kinds of other movies being shot there too. Major Hollywood productions are being filmed there. And it's a really, really cool thing that's never happened before. So that's that. Um, But while we're on the topic of politics, uh, Pete Buttigieg, his popularity, popularity with black people is like zero. We know that. And, Recently, they're blaming homophobia in the black community as the reason. Um, but the, the more fun part is that these findings were based on conversations. I won't even call it a study because I don't think it meets the level of what a study is. Conversations with 26 people. 26 people. And that was turned into data. I say with heavy air air quotes, data. That was then written about and fired off into a bunch of national publications like, oh, black people are an old fashioned and um, homophobic. And that's why they don't like Pete Buttigieg. Sure, some black people are homophobic. We are slightly more religious as a whole than our white counterparts. And if you look at the statistics and actual studies, not of 26 people, I think the views are slightly more homophobic, but... I also find that black people hypocritically or not are also part of the like, I mean, it is hypocritical, but I think we're, we're, we do a, we also have a rich tradition of lots of gay people like running things like the church, civil rights, things like that. And kind of doing the whole, well, I don't respect your lifestyle, but I respect you thing, which is not cool and no gay person should accept that. It's nonsense. And like like I've said before, you, you're and not going to tolerate me. You're going to love me. Being to- toleration in the dancery, that's offensive. To say you tolerate me like the way I tolerate the mosquitoes in the backyard, it's offensive. However, I do think we have a kind of thing where we are known to put certain things aside and still do things for the greater good, whereas... Uh, if you look at Trump voters and things like that, they will sacrifice everything for racism. That's the hill that they want to die on, and they're very committed to it. But I will also say that, you know, and myself and all the other black people I know that don't hate, I mean, that do don't dislike Pete Buttigieg, you know, me being a, a heterosexual that lives an almost completely homosexual lifestyle, as I like to say, we don't like Pete Buttigieg because he's fake and smarmy. And... Messed up with the police brutality. Doesn't really care that much about black issues. And pretends that he does when he's called out on it. And because he reminds me of all the guys I went to school with that used to talk over me in class. That's why I don't like him. And I just feel like I know his type. And he was plotting to have global domination with Pinky in the Brain when he was like eight. And he probably set... Ants on fire with a magnifying glass. I believe all of those things. And I got them from myself. No one told me. I'm, I'm not really joking, but I'm halfway joking. But the point is that people don't like him for valid reasons. And it's really offensive for it to be boiled down to homophobia and when people keep saying like, oh, we like Joe Biden, oh, black people like Joe Biden because he has name brand recognition, da, da, da. They're not stupid. We're not, black people aren't stupid. Stop talking about us like we're dumb. It We know that Trump needs to get out of office and right now certain people are willing to vote for the only person that they think can do that, which is the person who has already been in the same, uh, close to the same office as vice president, who's another old white man who has the same kind of, you know, name brand recognition, gravitas. He's the only one that has probably a name that is as known as Trump because he was the vice president. I mean, Trump being known for a number of other useless things that have nothing to do with running a country, as we know. But so I I kind of resent even the way they talk about the old black voters liking Joe. Like he's, he's the only one they know. They're not dumb. Like they see the other candidates on TV too. It's just that at this moment, that is who they think will be able to back uh, will be able to defeat Trump. So I, I really want that to change. I I will be really, really annoyed if Joe Biden is on the ticket because I actually don't think he has the as, as crazy as Trump is. Joe is not firing off the his his, his response times his, his reflexes are seeming a little bit slow. And I don't know if it's because of old age. I'm not going to say what it's for. It's not my business to diagnose him. It's just my business to know that I don't see him dragging Trump the way that Elizabeth Warren can get in that ring. She's fast. That woman is quick thinking. Um, Kamala Harris is, is coming nowhere near being a candidate, but she, you know, she's a sassy lady lawyer and she will drag Trump through the streets. She's just got that fire. She can do it. And people, unfortunately, are into the superficiality of watching people argue with each other and insult each other and seeing who comes out on top because we perceive you know, these shows of strength as to we're like, that's how we're going to stand up to the rest of the world, even though we're a superpower that extorts money from smaller countries. And no one's actually coming for us except for Russia, who you know, are they coming for us if they're literally being asked to by our president? I don't know. But, you know, that's how people see things in a fucked up way. So do I sincerely hope that, you know, these older black people don't hold out and still vote for Joe? Um, when it's because, you know, at the point at which Elizabeth Warren is is trending higher, like go with who? Well, no, I'm not going to say go is more popular. Go with Elizabeth Warren, no matter what. My point is just that I hope I hope things can change. There's also been so many surveys um, coming out now, and one of them shows Trump easily winning many states and Elizabeth Warren, you know, losing to him. And oh, she's not doing as well as we thought she was, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not a statistician, but she hasn't run a national campaign against the president yet. So does it really matter? Is this comparison an app comparison right now? I'm not sure. You know, Donald Trump is president. He's currently. The president, unfortunately, whereas the Democratic candidates are still campaigning against each other. So if we take these surveys and we're like Trump is still winning by a landslide against any of the five possible contenders, uh, the you know five pop- possible top contenders, to, is that supposed to re- is that supposed to be different? I'm not sure. I'm honestly asking. It seems like a survey would be more meaningful once we actually have one official Democratic candidate against Trump instead of you know, five different people possibly at the top, plus another 16 more. Also, Mayor Bloomberg, get, stop, don't run, don't run, stop it. And then I just saw that Eric Holder might run. I, what kind of people look at 20 people running and think, you know, it's not enough. I need to add myself because once you pop, you can't stop. Like it's, we literally have 20 choices. I think we're going to be fine. And we have two, really excellent, excellent options. I'm not a Bernie bro, because like I said, I just the way people comport themselves matters to me. And Bernie bros are annoying, like vegans are annoying. But I would be totally fine with Bernie Sanders as president. I've actually kind of changed my idea about whether it matters how old he is or anything like that. I really do think he is going to pick an awesome vice president. And he has this legacy of beliefs that he's leaving behind that And if someone like AOC, I mean, he said she'd be in his cabinet. So I don't know where she would be, but I just see like a huge structural change happening with these people in office. So I think we have some really good options and everyone needs to sit their ass down. That's all. And Pete Buttigieg, you're smarmy. That's why black people don't like you. I'll say it every week. I'll say it as long as I have to. On Impeachment Theatre, we bring you a tale of two Sondlands. Oh, this is going to be a very interesting week for impeachment. Next week, everyone... I don't know why I became Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, So next week, we're going live. The people who are going to be testifying will be live. And all the pundits, the media pundits have been saying this is an important time for impeachment because... We have to involve the people. The people deserve... The, peop- the people don't really deserve a lot because they voted for Trump. So they knew he was a criminal before he got into office, and he's continued to be a criminal. I'm not sure exactly like why these things that he does should be surprising or news and will sway people who shouldn't have put him there in the first place, but hopefully they do. So that's happening. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting is we are just, we've just been given incontrovertible proof that white people know that they don't have to follow the law because all of these people from Trump's cabinet and stuff have been subpoenaed and they're just not, they're just like, no, I'm not going. I'm very, I just am confused by this. I mean, we now know that it's more serious for, you know, a 16-year-old black person to get summoned for a speeding ticket um, or for, like, obstructing a pedestrian walkway than it is for government officials to go testify during an investigation about whether the president of our country tried to extort a smaller c- country. It's total BS. It's it's just it's super offensive to me. Honestly, it's super offensive to watch these people just know that they don't have to do these things and nothing is really going to happen to them. I mean, what did happen is now I think the House is kind of being like, OK, well, you don't have to come. You were trifling anyway. And now we're just going to also have add obstruction of justice onto the impeachment Um to the articles of impeachment which i think is like yes punish them but also send people to jail like s- put these people in jail put them in jail for flouting the law that's what i want to see because that's what would happen to anybody else um so we, uh, as for the tale of two sondland's part uh gordon sondland he is a trump cabinet official he has been a close ally of Mr. Trump, and he is the U.S. ambassador to the European Union. Now, before you get confused, nope, the European Union is, is, uh, does not include Ukraine. And so Mr. Sondland was also confused when he found himself being pulled into a conversation about Ukraine because he was like, hmm, not my purview. Why are we doing this? However, what he did a couple weeks ago was what he was he lied. He said he didn't remember anything. He didn't know what was going on, yada, yada, yada. Now he has released a four page addendum to his prior lies, a sworn statement, which it is completely con- contradicts everything that he said last month. And he said, he, quote, I said that the resumption of the U.S. aid would likely not occur until Ukraine provided the public anti-corruption statement that we had been discussing for many weeks. So that's his new uh, statement uh, for the inquiry this week. He basically just remembered that he didn't want to go to jail for perjury. That's what happened. It's really interesting because it also kind of just might make his whole testimony Moot, null. You know, if you completely contradict what you said, there is an argument for saying that how can we believe side A or side B? How can we believe Mr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde? And unfortunately, I'm pretty sure that's what Trump is going to do. He's been more than willing to throw out anyone in the past for things that didn't even really happen. So for sure, if this person now comes out against him, they'll just say he's he's an, he's an anti-Trumper. And unfortunately, he can say that, right? Because he hires all these weird figures, shadowy figures who are not fully vetted or approved or voted upon because everyone's interim this and acting this because he fires everyone so quickly. So the public doesn't always get a chance to even know who people are and have any type of negative or positive association with them. So when Trump tells his rabid, foaming at the mouth followers, this person just doesn't like me. They're like, lock him up, get him out. And that's it. Again, it's not the public, thankfully, that is voting on this impeachment. But it is the public that is swaying what the even the impeachment inquiry does and how Republicans act, because at the end of the day, these people still want a career after Trump leaves office. And so. They are, you know, acting amorally, but they're still also between a rock and a hard place because they know that they have to appease Trump's followers, even as the stuff that he does becomes more distasteful for them. Very late, I'll admit, like I'm wholly always disappointed at the things that make certain people take action. Again, before grabbing by the Pussy, there was Not Letting Black People Live in Your Housing Complexes, um, before this quid pro quo, extortion, bribery. There was locking up children in cages, you know, so different, different strokes. People are are moved emotionally by different things, disappointingly. However, they, they kind of are being influenced by the polling of what the public would do. You know, do we want him out of office or do we do we want to just impeach him and then have him there, which seems to me like wholly crazy, like, okay, you broke the law, but just, you know. We're just letting you know that laws are there to follow and not break. I'm sure, you know, if you didn't know, it's just a great thing to not bribe other countries. Keep on doing what you're doing. You're doing amazing, sweetie. I, that would be ridiculous and embarrassing. But I, we really don't know what's going to happen. And again, like Mike Pence, if that's who steps in, that's a huge, huge issue because he's actually would know what he was doing politically in terms of making our country some sort of handmaid's tale. So that's what happened. I mean, people were just openly being like, I'm not going. Which, in what world does that not look sketchy? Like, if you don't have anything to hide, I don't know. But on Law & Order, it's the person that refuses to give their DNA swab. That's usually the person that did it. So NBC tells me and my spidey senses that this is shady business but yeah I'm really just grossed out by all of it and next week it should be entertaining it should be theatrical but we all know how everybody acts when they have the five minutes to ask a question it's our grandstanding everyone is looking for their viral moment because at the end of the day the government is really just teens on Instagram and Snapchat that's that's what the ego does to people so Again, I want this to hurry up and speed up. I just want it to be over. It's like we have 500 people at this point confirming what we already know that Trump tried to extort this country. He People have, in further detail, explained that he wanted a verbal statement from, I was about to say, Smith and Walensky. What is that dude's name? I don't know. The president of uh, Ukraine. They they, want a, they wanted, like, a written verbal statement, Um, so he was pressuring the dude to really just like go on TV and, and say these things. So there's there's drips and drabs of more information coming out. There's nothing life changing. This process is taking longer than I wanted it to. I can't believe this kind of started in July. Um, and then it's really fun because like nothing happens on the news. And I really wish I had BBC on my TV when I was on vacation. I, we had BBC News. I feel like I have to I can't find out what's going on, like in the world, from any of the news stations that I that I get on my my television, my streaming television, because if if nothing new has happened, they'll just start pontificating and future projecting about what's going to happen next week, and all related to the impeachment. And so it's just annoying. I wish people would break breaking news, and I'm, I'm sure that there's people dying all over the world that we don't even know. So it's it's kind of it's kind of whack, but. Again, we'll probably get some viral clips from next week. Everyone's liars. No one's following the law. That's that's all. That's your synopsis. I watched it so you didn't have to. All right, fam, bam. That's it for another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Thank you so much for listening to episode 49. Next week will be episode 50. We'll have some special content out for you next week. And thank you for listening all this time. Please, you know what to do. Go rate and review on iTunes, um, on, on Apple Podcasts, because that's how the algorithm sends me out to more people so I can keep making this fun show for you guys. Also I'm found wherever podcasts are found. So subscribe on different platforms. Just let me know. Let me hear you say what you chest. Let me know that you're liking cake and kombucha and I'll be sending you guys some announcements out for next week about more interactive things that we're going to be doing with the show. So peace out and I'll holla at you next week. Cake and Kombucha is produced and hosted by actress, writer, and singer Kelechi Azier. It features music by the talented Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, check out MelanieJBCharles.com.